Hubhopper Originals. Welcome to another episode of Zero Down. In this episode, we talk about copyrights. The song "Happy Birthday to You," which we've been singing for at least a hundred years now, was copyrighted by Warner Music until 2015. The company was, in fact, generating around two million dollars every year from royalties. So just imagine, every time you sang the Happy Birthday song at parties, you would actually be breaking the law. Copyright is an intellectual property right that allows people to protect the tangible expression of creative ideas, for example, poetry, art, music, etc. Put simply, it is the right to legally copy, and it authorizes the ones with exclusive right to re- to reproduce the work, distribute it, lend it, or rent it out, given the prerequisite that the work is original and independently created. Now, people often interchangeably use the words copyrights and patents, but there's a thin line of difference between the two. Patents are granted for inventions, considering that the invention is usable in any kind of industry, whereas copyrights are for pr- protecting the expression of an idea, such as an artistic work. Intellectual property rights list does not end here; it also includes trademarks and trade secrets. A trademark is a word, a logo, or a phrase which prevents the competitors from using a confusingly similar name or phrase and helps in differentiating and identifying products. Trade secrets live by the motto "Our lips are sealed," and are the power of holding secrets which add value to businesses. Some of the world's most famous secrets, like. The Coca-Cola recipe or the recipe of Maggie's tastemaker have immense value, and if let out, can literally make or break the deal. Some sensitive information and business strategies are thereby kept cautiously because they provide competitive advantage. Now let's retrace our steps here and take a look at the origin of copyright law. The earliest case that we know of copyright law is of Ireland, where a copy was made of the Irish manuscript, and consequently a dispute arose, giving rise to the need for copywriting for the very first time. The king ruled it against the favor of the person who was trying to obtain a copy, and he said, "To every cow belongs her calf, and to every book belongs her copy." Copywriting helps in protecting and preserving someone's brainchild. The existence of cro- copyright prods creativity and gives authors the assurance that their innovative initiative won't go up in a puff of smoke. For instance, it doesn't let the greater financial muscle of the competitor to publicize almost the same offerings. and prevents them from thwarting revenue stream of a company that had come up with the idea in the first place it also ensures that different and new products keep coming to the table 
for giving impetus to creative effort, the copyright law of 1957 along with the 2012 amendment stands tall. Copyright is valid throughout the lifetime of the author and 60 additional years after the death of the author. However, it is valid for only 60 years in case of anonymous and pseudonymous works, posthumous works and government works. By now we may think we know what we are legally allowed to do. However, there are some very valid exceptions to this rule. In case of copying of copyrighted material which is done for a limited and transformative purpose for instance commenting upon criticizing or making a parody of a copyrighted work such cases don't require the permission of the owner of the copyright this is termed as fair use and is a defense against a claim of copyright infringement change in the law is slow compared to the pace of change in technology new ideas and concepts are coming in quickly and bringing in challenges so how is the internet affecting copyrights the internet made copyright infringement pretty easy the internet shares in two ways one is the way youtube and many other sites do it server hosting youtube servers host all the content on it that is the millions of gbs of videos and information on youtube are stored by itself on the other hand we have peer to peer connections and here comes torrenting torrents work in a different way the server on a torrenting website does not host all of the information but still facilitates file transfers what it does instead is to connect people all over the internet and allows them to share their resources without any central coordination by servers or a central host this sounds lovely but it has obvious problems torrenting very often means piracy people love to engage in the sharing of copyrighted material the technology of torrents itself isn't considered illegal but the sharing of copyrighted material through them can be illegal depending on which country you're in in india visiting a torrent website won't get you a jail term even viewing a torrented file wouldn't land you in jail as section 63 of the copyright act says the offense is not in viewing but in making a prejudicial distribution a public distribution or letting for sale or hire without appropriate permission copyright protected material so while viewing isn't illegal if you've been sharing a torrented movie via a pen drive or selling cds of it or organizing a public viewing i'm afraid that is illegal but of course we know that there are some exceptions to copyright fair use is still a thing that's what allows us to post gifs from various movies because no one would think that a 5 second clip from a movie is in any way an inf- an infringement of copyright would they well actually they might just while there is no judgment that discussed gifs in particular we can question whether they are fair use gifs are transformative that is you wouldn't watch the gifs instead of the movie and they are usually used in a non-commercial way that is the texts memes and gifs exchanged on a messaging app are likely not earning you any revenue however you probably did not make the gif you just used someone else did and someone else is in it and someone else owns the original work from which the gif was made so the copyrights here aren't as simple as they seem that being said 
We would be pretty surprised if someone lodged a case against you for using gifts, but you did steal it. We are all, in a way, stealing gifts. Does this mean that some kinds of stealing have become culturally acceptable? For instance, that gif of Leonardo DiCaprio raising his glass of martini in The Great Gatsby is all over the internet. DiCaprio has never complained that a tiny video of his is used by people without his permission. The gif makers never complained or asked for credit. The director, the producer or anybody involved with the movie never suggested we did something wrong by using it. Gifts seem too trivial. We're all cool with them being circulated without permission, even though they're not our intellectual property. But when the same is done with a movie, even when no one earns money from it, suddenly the opinions are varied. So, where is the line? Here's another question regarding the internet and copyrights. Who is responsible anyway? Should the person who created sites which host copyrighted content without permission be considered liable? Or should the users of said sites who indulged in infringement be responsible? Let's take the case of YouTube, which has a very unique way of solving this problem. Since YouTube began, people used it for whatever they wanted to share. And knowing people, some of us wanted to share copyrighted material. And that made rights holders pretty angry. In particular, it made the network YCOM18 pretty angry, which led them to file a copyright infringement case against YouTube, which YouTube won, largely because YouTube had come up with a system called Content ID. Content ID is how YouTube deals with copyrighted infringement. It's a huge archive, and we do mean huge, of a lot of things humans have created. Movies, music, videos... It's absolutely mind-boggling, but what YouTube does is after you upload a video, it checks every second of your video against this massive archive of content, and if there's anything you've taken from anything copyrighted, one of four things can happen to the video. The first option for the right holder is to track the video, that is, to do nothing. The second option is to claim it, that is, claim all the ad money generated by that particular video. The third option is to block the video in certain places or everywhere. And the fourth option is to issue a copyright strike, which takes the video down and hurts your channel since a lot of strikes can lead to the deletion of the channel. This software can't tell fair use apart from unfair use. And so YouTube does give you an option to dispute this claim. Say you engage in fair use by uploading a review of a new movie and used some of the clips from the movie in your video. In this situation, you can dispute the claim and if you win, nothing happens and your video stays up normally. This means that the right holders' in interests are protected and they aren't pressuring the government to shut down YouTube and instead can get some extra money through claiming. Sounds great, right? Well, it's not perfect. Imagine you're an independent musician starting out and one of your songs gets used in a famous YouTuber's video without your permission. Your song is not a part of the content ID system because of course this archive doesn't have literally everything ever created, especially things not created by big networks, which is now a problem for you to deal with. This means that not everyone's rights are taken care of. There are many times where this system is wrong too. 
However, content ID usually works, which is why it still exists. But except for striking a video down, the other options aren't legal actions, which is interesting as YouTube is finding solutions outside of laws for the legal issue of copyright infringement. Does this mean copyright laws aren't working? Let's go over some of the drawbacks. Copyrights are made to encourage innovation, but what if they become a barrier to it? Rights holders sometimes use the rigidity of the law to hamper growth by preventing others from using the new technology or shut down creativity. In some countries, companies lobby the government to extend copyright terms in the name of incentivizing creators, but this just leads to the opposite due to a rise in costs for obtaining licenses. Strictly enforced copyrights can also create situations where preserving our cultural heritage in libraries and archives can become difficult. If copyright infringement starts to invite high damages, it is a huge disincentive for investment in new startups and in fields that involve dealing with copyrighted material. In a survey by Booz and Company, 72% of the responders said that increasing anti-piracy regulations over the internet would deter them from investing, specifically in DCIs that offer user-uploaded music or videos. Some think that copyrights need to be fluid and flexible to be effective, especially in developing countries. If big corporates are allowed to lobby for broader laws, it stifles creativity, even just by creating the fear of the risk of punishment in people's minds. On top of all this, most people don't have the resources to dispute claims when they are sued for infringement and neither do small independent creators have the resources to sue others for, in- for infringing their rights. Are the grey areas of copyright law an indication that we need to draw clear lines to ensure that copyright isn't co-opted to create monopolies and fair use is defined to the T? Or are these grey areas a space for us to create systems to solve these problems without the law? Remember how gifts are really stealing? Maybe it is alright that they are and that we have collectively decided that it causes no one harm and should go unpunished. The internet has changed things. Copying has become easier and cheaper, so yes, the creator's incentives have reduced. But creating has become easier and cheaper as well, so perhaps it is counterbalanced. A century ago, copyrights were something that didn't concern everyone. But now we are all creators and we are all distributors. If we want to write a book, there is no publisher we need to convince. Creating and sharing have been democratized. This makes protecting fair use more and more important. And it might involve expanding our ideas as to what fair use is. Some predict that the future is going to have copyright laws that limit commercial exploitation of creative works and ignore any non-commercial uses. The law would focus on commercial entities which understand the complexities of the law and would be easier to regulate. The idea at the heart of copyright laws is to encourage creators to continue their creative endeavors and take comfort in the fact that no one can unfairly reap the rewards they worked hard for. A copyright is a security granted to the creator to ensure their creative expression, not a weapon to impede the creative expression of others.
Copyright protections for works are often granted till certain decades after the creator's death. Public Domain Day is observed on the 1st January of each year to celebrate the works entering public domain, meaning they can be fully quoted, published online, made into plays or movies, all without permissions. Under the US Copyright Acts of 1976 and 1998, copyright terms were extended. The 1998 extension effectively delayed many beloved works from entering the public domain by 20 years by increasing the term from life plus 75 years to life plus 95 years. This trend of copyright extensions wasn't just limited to the US but happened in many countries throughout the globe. This year's Public Domain Day was quite significant for the US as many works from 1923 including a Virginia Woolf novel, Robert Frost's poetry, and even a Charlie Chaplin movie have been made publicly available. The sad thing is that the term ending almost a century later means that some of the music and the films aren't in the best condition anymore. But internet archives have added tens of thousands of these works for us to enjoy. So now you know how to spend the next weekend. I hope you enjoyed this Hop Hopper original podcast. If you want to get started with your own show, please do get in touch. We'd love to have you on board. Send an email to info at hophopper.com. That's info at hophopper.com, and we'll get back to you in a flash. We're looking forward to creating some great audio content together.